Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to the MMA Fan Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Stuart Blake. Hello. Before we start this episode of the MMA Fan Podcast, we need to tell you about our sponsor, Free Train. Free Train do these fantastic running vests for you to run in, hit the bag in, and they keep your phone close to your chest. No more do you need to have your phone rumbling around in your pocket when you run or at an awkward angle on your arm. You can keep it on your chest with easy access to your phone whenever you go training. And uh, what can the people do, Stu, if they want to get a vest? Simple. Head over to www.freetrain.com have a look see what you like and when you pop it in the basket just before you check out pop in the code MMAFAN and save yourself 10% I mean don't ever let it be said we don't spoil you here on this podcast www.freetrain.com go check them out excellent stuff right on with the show Sorry to interrupt the podcast, but we've got another sponsor to tell you about, Phil Supreme. They're a nationally recognized brand who offer only the very highest quality of natural supplements. Their extensive range includes a range of medicinal mushrooms, nootropics, anti-aging products, gut support products, green powders, vitamins, and much more. Yep, they've worked with fighters from all the top promotions, including UFC, Bellator, Brave, and Cage Warriors with a solid reputation of providing results. So check them out on Instagram, which is at Phil underscore Supreme, or their website, www.philsupreme.co.uk, and make sure you use the code MMAFAN for a cool 15% off your first order. Don't say we don't spoil you. Hello, and welcome to the MMA Fan Podcast. I am Blake Harrison, and joining me as ever is my co-host, the man... In front of the brick wall, the man with the glorious salt and pepper beard, it's Stu Whiffin. Hello, mate. <laughs> I mean, that was that was lovely. I mean, I don't know. Was that complimentary? I don't know. I just say what I see, don't I? Like, it's just, you know, yeah. so it's like catchphrase. Say what you see. You're in front of a brick you wall. You've got a salt and pepper beard. That's it. <laughs> catchphrase. <laughs> the well-known catchphrase, the man in front of the brick wall. Um, yeah. How are you doing? I'm all right. I'm all right. I am very excited about uh, UFC Fight Night, September the 4th. Are you? 
I'm very excited. Obviously, uh, if people don't know, this is one of our special, what was supposed to be the London card uh, episodes of the show where we're talking to uh, the amazing UK fighters that are on what was supposed to be a card at the O2 in London on September 4th. But unfortunately, due to COVID and all that jazz, uh, it's been moved over to Vegas over at the Apex. So unfortunately, there's no uh, live uh, MMA or UFC in London on September 4th. But those same UK fighters are going over to Vegas and... It is going to be on BT Sport at a very favourable hour for the UK. I don't know the exact times, but it's going to be, you know, primetime UK time, which is at least a nice gesture from the UFC, isn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. And one of those fighters heading over to Vegas, Jack Shaw. Yes, the tank. Uh and it was again uh, another another returning guest, and it was and it was lovely to catch up with with Jack. And 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 this is a this is a lovely episode where we you know we 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 talked about you know his thoughts on you know how it was when he heard that the card was being moved and how that can affect the the, the financials and and, yes. and you know the, you know what how that can be more costly um, you know having to move your camp to to the States. Um, and we, we talk about that. We obviously talk about his opponent. Um, what else do we discuss on this one? We, we got onto a little bit of MMA judging because we did discuss a little bit of the yeah. Bantamweight division and particularly the old Sandhagen Dillashaw fight, which is, mm. you know, a few weeks ago now, but it's still in people's minds. It was, I wouldn't say there was any kind of sense of like a robbery or a controversial decision is, is, is even maybe a strong term, but I definitely think Sandhagen won that fight. A lot of people, I'd say most people agree with that, mm. but TJ won the fight and that's that. And, and we've seen some weird judging in, in MMA over, over the years really. So mm. uh, we, we got onto that a little bit and Jack had a few thoughts on what he thinks could potentially improve it. But at the end of the day, he's focused on his opponent, which is Saeed. Nurmagomedov on September 4th. Shall we get on with this? Let's do it. Ladies and gentlemen, here's Jack Shaw. Jack Shaw! <laughs> Such a pleasure to have you on the show. How's it going? I'm very good, thank you, boys. All good. That's, that's a warm well, that's warmer welcome I'm ever going to have. Oh, with the arms <laughs> wide open. Happy back, mate. <laughs> that's what we like to see. Now, um, I, I can't help but notice there's a, there's a little mark under your, I think your left eye there. Yeah, how's, how's things going? You all right? Yeah, it's all good. That was that was uh, courtesy of Josh Reed. That went on uh, on Monday sparring. So uh, I think he glanced me with them ten year old gloves he got on. Is a ten year old arm. This top, it looks worse than what it is. Honestly, it's, it's not a cut. Right? It's just a little uh, graze. But uh, I'm sure I'll never live it down. Especially now it's live on camera as well. He'll. Uh, You'll you let me know about that one every, every, every time. <laughs> oh, nice. Well, glad you still got a smile on your face. Now, I mean, the reason we're obviously here is because we've got the big card on September 4th. Loads of UK fighters on that card, yourself being one of the biggest. And uh, you're fighting Saeed Nurmagomedov. I have to be honest with you, Jack. When I heard the name Nurmagomedov... I got a little bit concerned. I was a little bit worried. I thought maybe it was a little bit squeaky bum time. But uh, I did a little bit of research and I found out he's not a relative of Khabib's. I think they do have a relationship. They know each other a bit, but he's not a relative. Uh, I suppose you probably wouldn't have cared either way whether he was a relative of Khabib, would you? Well, even if he was, who better to fight a relative than Khabib than the Welsh Khabib? So, yeah. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> 
But yeah, he's not. No, I, I don't think they know each other, but I don't think... I, I keep saying to everyone, I think Nurmagomedov in Dagestan is the equivalent to something like Jones in Wales. So, don't always mean you're related. <laughs> oh, brilliant. As, as training going, Jack? Yeah, it's been good. Um, it's been a real tough camp in terms of training. Um, we've upped up the volume. The, the gym now, obviously, is back open as normal. Um, my father's gone part-time to work, so we get, we're getting daytime sessions in now with, with the pro team. So like like to this morning now we just come straight from sparring. So it's good. It, it's it's all coming together nicely. Um, I've had a real good person, real good sparring partners in. Um, and yeah, feeling ready, feeling good to go. Brilliant, Excellent. mate. And Excellent. we uh, I, I again doing doing my my armchair research that I'm I'm getting known for doing now. Um, I've found that you know. Said Nurmagomedov is incredibly different to when we think of like. That kind of Nurmagomedov, Dagestan, Russian fighter. He's uh, he's probably more akin to to, to Zabit. You know, he's a bit more yeah. rangy. He's uh, he throws a lot of spinning attacks. Have you had to bring in kind of specialist training partners or anything like that to mimic that kind of style, or or, or were you kind of set? Is it not necessarily anything you've not seen before? Um, it's not so much. Like I've obviously I've sparred those type of guys before and everything. We, we've I'm quite fortunate. I've got some real good strikers in the camp. Um, Scotty Pedersen, who's just foot on cage warriors, is, is, is a real decorated striker, and he's a very similar shape to um, to Saeed. So he's been doing a lot of spinning attacks. And I got to be fair to the boys that they've they've really sort of sacrificed their training and their rounds in order to be specific for me. You know, attacking me with the spinning back first, the spinning back kicks, looking for the flashy kicks, um, and that's that's the beauty of obviously having a. A big team like we go with is a lot of strength and depth, but I haven't so much had to pull in guys from outside. I've been able to sort of pick guys from within the team and say, look, can you give me this look? Can you give me that look? Um, and, and, it, and it's worked like Scotty, Levi, those type of guys. It just They've been really good. I gotta be, I, like, I'm really thankful to them for this camp because they, apart from obviously training for their fights a few weeks back, they've just done what, what me and the coaches have asked of them in terms of Look, just go out and fight them like this. Don't want you looking for, for takedowns. Don't want you shelling up. We want you spinning. We want you being aggressive. So it's, it's been a real big help to me and obviously a big, big thanks to them for, for sacrificing their own training in order to, to get me ready. Um, how was it when you found out that the show wasn't going to be in the UK? And how does that impact on camp, Jack? It's a little bit uh, disappointing to be honest. It would have been it would have been nice to to fight in London um, to to show the UFC the fan base I've got in Wales in the UK. Uh, I think I would have had a big ovation up there. I would have took a lot of fans up there. So it would have been nice to show them that I've got a good bit of pull over you. Obviously, it got moved to Vegas. So in in terms of changing the camp, we got got a little bit earlier. We, we got to get acclimatized. Um, I've got to take training partners with me that can can carry on sort of for the 10 days before mimicking the style. But it's still business as, as usual, obviously. It would have been great to have the fans there, but but when we get in there and obviously the door shuts and the ref says, let's go, then it's just, uh, it's just the task at hand. And so as great as it would have been to have my friends and family and supporters there, I've ultimately still got to do the same goal against the, the same guy. So we still go in there with the same approach and the same mindset. Yeah. I, 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 sorry, go on, Blake. No, 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 you go, mate. I was just saying um, to, to Blake earlier when we was talking about this, like 
the the thought of it being in 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 London and having fighters like yourself and Paddy making his debut as well, the noise from like the followings that you fighters have got would have been phenomenal. And it is it is such a shame, you know. I'm sure it'll happen further down the line, but you know, I think a lot of our hearts sort of sunk when we found out that 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 London card was being moved. But it's on. UK time on the TV, which is great, which means we all still get to see it and uh, don't have to set the uh, alarms for 3 a.m. Uh, so, uh, that's good, the pub, the pubs great. will be busy in Wales at least anyway. Damn <laughs> right, damn right. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I, I was gutted for you guys. Uh, I was gutted for us. We we were going to hope to to try and go. I mean, it must be it, it must be so difficult for you guys from an emotional standpoint when you're getting ready for a, a, a certain thing to happen and the support that you're expecting to have and all of that. But one thing that I suppose has only really just occurred to me is, is it something when a card shifts from, you know, effectively ge- geographically, particularly compared to America, London, is this kind you could, you could say it was down the road. I know it's not down the road, but you know, it, it's a short trip in the car. Then going to Vegas, does that, impact you fighters financially because you're going from oh everyone can just come down to london and would you hop in the car or oh now i might have to fly a couple of sparring partners or something like that out with me does does it impact you financially yeah 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 it's, to be honest it's a big hit financially because obviously i've got a fly whereas um in london i would just hit my free corner and also we'd go up in the car and cover the pet or stuff like that now i've got to fly two of the i've got to pay to fly two of the three out um, I've got to obviously pay for an extra hotel room for fight week because we're going early to acclimatize. I've got to sort of cover the hotel rooms there, and then also got the the wonderful Vegas state tax that they nail you with uh, before you get. Obviously, in the UK, you don't get nailed with that because we we're, we're British and we're fighting over in America. You get nailed with the with the tax over there before you even get paid. So it is a big like it's a don't me wrong. Still, it's still a nice little earner, but. It costs me a lot more to fight in Vegas. Or it doesn't cost me as such, but I, I make a lot, well, not a lot less, but I make less fighting in Vegas, obviously, than I would have if I fought in London in terms of expenses as far as getting the team out there, but also in terms of purse because of the tax as well. So, you know, people don't think of that. Like, everyone says to me, oh, you're so lucky going to Vegas to fight. But I'm like, yeah. but I'm not going there to for all day. I'm going there to fight. So when I'm out there, I'm going to be training twice a day, cutting weight, you know, I'm not knowing all these restaurants eating the burgers and the pizzas that you, that you see, <laughs> uh, you know, on the TV in America. I'm eating the PI food, and then obviously it's going to cost me as well. So I'm not, I'm not, I'm not mourning like I've got hard by any means. You know, I still get paid well and stuff like that. But it, it'd, be, it'd be a lot better for me to fight um, in the UK financially as well. I mean, looking at the, can you make a silver lining? Do you get to stay out there a little bit longer and, and enjoy Vegas, or do you have to come straight back? We're back home on a Sunday morning, so... Oh, no! Oh. <laughs> you can't even enjoy the only it. good thing, obviously, like, because it's um, UK time, like, I sh- even if I'm on the main card, I-, I sort of will be done by, like, 2 o'clock in the afternoon, so I'm assuming because COVID protocols are sort of gone now in Vegas that we'll be able to go to the strip and have a little look about and grab yeah. some food. Like, obviously, last time, I fought 9 o'clock in the morning, but we had to spend the whole day in the hotel room because... We're flying on Sunday morning, and if you left the hotel Saturday night, you wouldn't you wouldn't be allowed back in. So it would have been a case of going straight through and then coming home Sunday and traveling for twenty four hours, and that, that wouldn't have been much much of a crack either. I don't think so. Uh, yeah. Fingers crossed, we get to see a little bit more of it this time, even if it is only for a few hours. 
Well, I, I can't imagine it would go as, as badly as it did for Paul Craig. He was on our show a little while ago, and uh, I can't remember if he was in, like, Florida or if he was in Vegas, but I'm pretty sure he said it was a, a big night of drinking and he got chucked out of a limo because <laughs> he was just in a bit of a state. So uh, I'm sure you'll be a bit better off than Paul Craig was. Fingers crossed. My uh, the, the good thing is my old man and and Carl, the, my two corner men, and obviously, and, and not much... And not big drinkers anyway, so they're not keen to party. But I am taking my teammate um, Levi, who's a, who's, a, who's a young gun. So I don't know, may, maybe me and him will uh, wander off on our own for a few hours and we'll see what happens. Lovely stuff. I mean, if you, go, if, if you want to have a party, you're going to the right place. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how do you see the, the, the fight going, Jack? Yeah, look, he's, um, he's a tricky style guy. He's got these spinning attacks. He's, he's not a guy where you can just think, right, I'll rush in and take him down. Obviously, being from, from Dagestan, he's going to have that, that wrestling background, even if his specialty is striking. So it's been a real tactical approach from the team in terms of game plan. Um, it's just about, in, in my opinion, keeping good fundamentals and, and, and having me dictate the fight, dictate the range. You know, I've either got to be in or got to be out. You stand at mid-range, you're, you're, you're sort of in the firing line for those spinning attacks. So i got to fight him on my terms. I can't let him get his game going. I've seen his, his fights, obviously, in the UFC. The, the guys who sort of fought him in his game have got punished for it. And, and the guys uh, like Barcelona who, who enforced his, his sort of game plan done very well. So it's a, it's a matter of going out there and stamping my foot down early and saying, look, we, we're going to fight this how I want to fight it or you want to fight it. Yeah. Do you spend much time um, sort of watching tapes of, of, of your opponents, Jack? I tend, I tend to leave it to my coaches mainly. I, I will obviously watch w- when I get given the name and I'll watch it a little bit closer to the fight. Um, but this one, I, I, when you fight someone like this guy, because he's so unorthodox and so tricky, you've got to watch that a little bit more because there's certain things they do that 9 out of 10 guys, one, one is not going to throw at you. Do you know what I mean? Like when I fought Hunter, yeah. you know he's coming with, with a big loop and punches and he's going to try and take you down. Now, a lot of guys are like that. You, you fight... A good striker, a lot of them are very fundamentally strong. Whereas this guy, like you said, is spinning back fist from him close. He's spinning back kicks, spinning wheel kicks, flying knees, jumping kicks. So this is stuff that you're not always going to be used to inspiring. And obviously not going to have... I haven't got a lot of experience against fighting someone like this, apart from maybe Bone Lee. So we've had to watch a little bit more of this one. But I do tend to leave it to my coaches and let them pick up his strengths and weaknesses, devise the plan, and, and I'll just I'll just be like a robot when I'm in there and, and, and follow suit. What, what, what they say is, is what I'll try and do. So every- Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, 
you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. You um because at that, that Barcelos fight that you mentioned, it was a very close fight. It, yeah. it was by no means a, a walkover. So there's there's not necessarily yet like an exact kind of like blueprint of like this is how you beat uh, Said Nurmagomedov. But were you are you saying that you were able to take moments from that fight and go, I can implement that? He seems to struggle a bit with that. Yeah, definitely. Um, he's obviously he's great at, at mid range, but I, I noticed when without giving too much away, obviously. When, yeah, we don't want you to sure. give any game when, plans when, away when, or anything like when that. Bartelos, like come forward, put him on the back foot cut him off it neutralizes those those big movements you know you can't spin and kick someone when, when they stood this far from your face um and I thought Barcelos did a good job of mixing in the the clinch work and the, although he didn't nail too many takedowns when he did clinch up you know he, he, he used his weight made, made him burn a little bit so there's things I, I noticed that um that he did well there's also a guy that the karate kid as well that uh at flyweight I know he won that fight but that was a close fight and again although his karate style is a lot different than mine. I can't remember the guy's name who fought him. Um, it was his first fight in the UFC, I think. But although his style is a lot different than mine, there were certain things he did as well that, that I picked up on. So again, I'm a different fighter to him and I'm a different fighter to Barcelos. But there's certain things I think that I can implement that he's going he's gonna to struggle with. So you get the win. And... Uh... I, I think, and well, Blake and I have done a, an episode on that uh, specifically. We think, you know, you're arguably in the most exciting division right now in the UFC. And so I just wouldn't mind getting your thoughts on a couple of the recent fights, the Aldo fight uh, and the uh, Sandhagen-Dillashaw fight. And and to sort of finish that, that question with when you get the win uh, on the fourth, where you think that puts you in the, the mix of things. Yeah, um, the Aldo fight, he just... Like, when, when I heard Aldo was going to Bantamweight, I was one of those, I was like, God, he's going to struggle because he, he's always like been known for struggling to make featherweight. And, you know, but he just seemed... Uh, I don't know, he, he just seems to have reinvented himself. He, he looks... Like, obviously, he's a lot leaner now, and, and I don't doubt he has a tough weight cut. But when he's in there, like, three-round Aldo is a real dangerous fight for anyone. Maybe over fight, like you've seen in the Peter Yan fight, over, over five rounds, he started to tie a little bit. But that's always been Aldo, even at featherweight. You know, he was never as dangerous in the fourth and fifth as he was the first three. And he's just not... Like his last fight, I mean, the Marlon Vera fight, he, he won comfortably, but it was it was close. Like, but like the last fight, against a guy like uh, Pedro, who's just so dangerous, you know, such a big hit, uh, dangerous for them calf kicks, he just neutralised everything he did. And... His attacks were so sharp. I mean, I don't think there's anyone in the division, especially the top five at the minute, looking at Aldo thinking, you know, that, that'd be a nice fight for me to, to mark off a legend on my name because he's, <laughs> he's capable of beating him up. Like, even, you watch the first, like, two and a half rounds against Jan. He looked good in stages, his low kick. You know, he, it, wasn't a, it wasn't all one-way traffic and, until 
till the end of the fight. And, and I think a lot of that was, was down to tiredness. Um, so, yeah, I think Aldo's a force to be reckoned with. A bantamweight is... He's a different. He seems to be a different sort of level now to what he was towards the end. Not, not when he had the title, but after he took a few losses at featherweight, he looks way better now than what he did last one off at featherweight. And um, what was he? Oh, TJ, TJ in San Diego. Yeah. Um, I've only watched it once. I, I thought TJ did enough after watching it. Um, but obviously, there's a lot of controversy. Like, I mean, I wouldn't have been if they give it to San Diego. I wouldn't have screamed robbery. It was one of them. But I just thought. With sort of the clinch work and the control, I thought TJ did enough. I know San Diego did the more damage, landed the bigger shots, the more flashy shots, but I suppose it depends what a judge is looking for. Sometimes I like people don't like the, I don't know what it is lately. People try, try to like discredit clinch control and grappling, I think, because like because people are throwing flying knees and landing these flashy shots. Yet you can control a guy for like two and a half minutes of a round and people don't really want to, Want to think the last scores when in actual fact, obviously, it does. So I think. But it only do- is that the thing, like, because we had Sean Sheehan on the show, because we've had this a lot as well with, with like fans and even ourselves and stuff, and you do start to disagree with the judging or whatever, but it is written in, in, in black and white. And we had Sean Sheehan on the show talking about this that, you know, um, it is about damage, and only when the damage is equal do you then factor in. The, the control and the clinch and all that stuff. I don't know that it necessarily should be that way or not, but that is the way that the criteria is written. But you're right. It does then lead when people are aware of that, it does then lead to people to, as you say, slightly discredit that those long periods of control, because as the, the as it, as it is written, or at least it reads to me this way is that, if you're having a fight and one minute of that fight is you taking a decent amount of damage, but then you control the guy for four minutes, the other guy wins the round because it's about that, that damage. Do you, do you think that's a problem with the judging? Should that be changed? Um, I think it can be. Again, it's horses for courses. At the same time, yeah. it's like, look at those, those Dilla Shawns and, and San Negan rounds. For a lot of it on the feet, I mean, I know I'm not a big TJ fan after what he's done, but for a lot of it on the feet, it was 50-50. All right, TJ was cut up and, and wearing a bit of damage. But in terms of actual damage towards the end of the fight, with like, you know, they're going shot for shot, there's not a lot in it in the round. So for me, if, if I was judging a fight, even with the, the criteria as it is, if it was 50-50 on the feet, shot for shot, and then TJ sort of takes his back and controls him for... 45 seconds to a minute I, just, I would give the round to TJ yeah. um, because like you said it's if the damage is, is equal and then that's when you factor in the control time so for me that's why I was scoring it to TJ I do think it needs to be changed a little bit in terms of like because like you said if if I go out and cause a lot of damage on a guy in 30 seconds and cut him up and, and, and land a, a 10 punch combo if he takes me down for four and a half minutes and it controls me and I can't get back to my feet, you know, how is that annoying? That's him winning a round, in my opinion, because, mm. you know, it's not... I'm trying to think of a, a way to put it into words. We've got to factor in that it is mixed martial arts, so we can't just factor yeah. in damage on the feet and discredit the grappling. If, if grappling is 90% of the round, but you've got damage for 10% of the round, when surely, if you're in control for 90% of the round, you should win that round. And vice versa... If you hold the guy down for a minute and drop a lot of elbows on him, but then he pops up and for the last four and a half minutes of the round, 
he's sticking a jab and a low kick on you and you can't get near him, all right, he may not cause as much damage as you did with the ground and pound, but surely he should win the round by, by being in control from all the round. So it's a tough one. I think you never, it's with MMA because there's so many factors with the rest in the grappling, the, the striking, your clinch work. You're never mm-hmm. gonna, it's never going to be clear-cut, I don't think, and unfortunately. But I think maybe they should do something in terms of more judges or yeah. former fighters being judges perhaps to, perhaps I would sort of, I don't know, make the, the scoring of these fights a little bit easier. Like, I didn't see that fight as a robbery, but I have seen fights recently where you think, how, how, have, they, how have you scored it to him? You know, well, my last fight, I, I, like the one judge have scored two rounds to the guy I fought and, you know, 99.999% of everyone online and that I know is saying, I, I just don't get it. Where when, you, when you're fighting for, if you win, you get double your money or if you lose, you, you're going to lose out on half your money. It's a bit of a stinger if you get, well, swearing, if you get messed over by a... But by a yeah. judge who's not not scoring the fight properly, but it is a t- it's risky water and it is a tough one. I don't think it'll ever be clear cut. No, absolutely, and I think one of the other factors we we have to consider is the sport is still so young. You know, there, there, there's a lot of, there's a lot of growing and, and learning to I mean, do on, on all sides. If we look at boxing, they probably score a boxing fight now a lot different than what they did hundred years ago. So, yeah. you know. It's one of them, like you said. Uh, as the sport develops and as time moves on, obviously it'll be it'll more than likely become a little bit more clear cut in terms of judging and scoring. Absolutely. Okay. Well, I'm not suggesting in any way, shape, or form you're 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 looking past uh, the next opponent, but you know we, we, we're confident that that W is coming your way. And with that in mind, like, where do you think that puts you in the in the mix of things? Um, I. You know, I don't think it puts me into the rankings, but I think a good win, especially looking good, whether it be a dominant decision or hopefully a finish, I think it put me in a spot where I can plead my case for a, for a fight with someone in the rankings. No, I'm not. I'm not saying a top ten or top five, but those sort of 15, 14, 13s, those type of guys. I think I, I'm in the mix, and I'd be four and zero against good good guys as well, all, all on winning records, and obviously. You know, as as much slack as the British guys get, we do get a little bit tough. At the same time, they they know they need British guys coming through. You know, they can't rely on Darren Till and Leon constantly. You know, we need other guys coming through. So I I think it'll put me in a good spot. Um, I know a lot of the guys in the division know about me now. They 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 know when you're undefeated, you sort of carry that little bit extra, that little bit extra hype, I suppose, if you where people like keep keep that steady eye on you because you've got an unbeaten record. So yeah, I think a win, especially in good fashion, puts me either puts me in a shot for someone in the rankings or a shot against someone who's maybe not ranked but has got a good name for themselves. Uh, I agree, mate. I think you know four, four and zero in the UFC, being undefeated, you definitely deserve a ranked opponent after that, and that's what we'll be hoping that you you get after September fourth, man. Fingers crossed. Absolutely. Anyway, if not, we'll. Uh, We'll start a protest or something. I don't know. We'll, we'll do something. Uh, we'll do it. I'll make signs, big signs. <laughs> yeah. Jack Shaw's on fire. Give him a ranked <laughs> opponent. We'll get on it. We'll be backing you, mate. Don't worry. Jack, we wish you all the best, mate. And, and hopefully we'll get to catch up with you after the fight at some point. Yes, uh, definitely. Definitely. Thank you very much. Absolute oh, pleasure, mate. Thank you. There you go. Jack Shaw. What a gen, always a gen, and hopefully we'll get him back after he gets that that W on the fourth. 
Um, smashing chat, right, Blake? Oh, just a lovely bloke. I, and I, I loved his uh, opinions on, on the judging. I, I disagreed with it. That's the beauty of, the, of MMA is he thought Dillashaw won that fight. I thought Sandhagen won that fight. But it was definitely not in any way uh, a robbery if it went either way. I don't think it was a very, very close fight. And that, I think, flags up how difficult judging is in a lot of ways. Mm. Because, uh, you know, people have differing opinions on very close fights. So sometimes maybe we do need to cut the judges a little bit of slack because it is a very hard job. But uh, back to Jack, just a really nice bloke who I think can can really go all the way. I mean, Nurmagomedov is a big challenge, as he pointed out. He's, he's someone that you have to spend a little bit of extra time preparing for because he does throw unique, flashy kind of spinning attacks and stuff like that. But I'm hoping Jack just does the business on September 4th. Absolutely. He is a lovely bloke. But, I, I, you know, I, I, you know I'd, I'd be lying if I said it didn't. It didn't freak me out a little bit when you disagreed with him about the judging. And, and obviously, you know, people can't see this. When he run his finger across his throat and mouthed the words, <laughs> fuck you, Harrison. I thought that was that was pretty pretty terrifying. Well, yeah, I mean, you say people can't see this. Our plan is to stick this up on YouTube. Not necessarily Absolutely. these bits. I don't know about the intros and outros. But the, not necessarily. So you might be able to go back and see Jack run his finger, apparently, across his throat, threatening to kill me. Uh, and just so you know, there is now visual evidence to stop <coughs> Stu from slandering these poor fighters and these poor people. And I'm pretty sure that you've got a lawsuit uh, coming your way, Stu. It's so. coming my way. <clears throat> All right. Um, well, look, we'll be back soon um, with another fighter from the card. Thanks ever so much for listening. Um, massive thanks to 76 for producing these um, these run of episodes for us. So uh, big, big love to 76. Um, and yeah, we're back next time, Blake. We're back next time, but if you want to hear more from Jack Shaw, a little bit more about his, uh, you know, reason, way he got into to MMA, his thoughts on the fight game and all that kind of stuff that's not just geared towards this one opponent. If you want to know a bit more about Jack, his personality and what makes him tick, go and check out our old episode with, with Jack Shaw, which was a belter as well, where we really talked to him about how he got into MMA and what's led him to, to this point in his career. Um, Absolutely. And, um, and Welsh fighters as well. We've had a few on. Um, go listen to episodes with Brett Johns, uh, Mason Jones. Yes. Um, yeah, there's. Uh, we'll just get stuck into the back catalogue full stop if this is your uh, your first time listening. Also, we're on the socials. So give us a like, love, share, retweet and, uh, and drop us a message on there. Yeah. And if you like to uh, give us a little rate and review, little, you know, subscribes and all that on the podcast. And now I think hopefully the YouTubes, the YouTubes. Yeah, mate. The old the YouTubes. YouTubes. That's, that's, that's that's what the kids are calling uh, it, the, the, kids YouTubes. Are the YouTubes. Uh, the YouTubes. Uh, <laughs> oh, we've been wrapping up this show for the last couple of minutes. Oh, no, I know. I tried to nip it in the bud about two minutes ago. I know you did. I kept it going. I just want to see your lovely face. Oh, all right, guys. We will see you later. <laughs> <laughs>